And this is a passage of Scripture that we have addressed uh, many times over the years. But in the context of our theme for this year, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so last uh, Thursday night we talked about grace and spent some time studying grace. And tonight I would like for us to spend our time studying the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The knowledge of in chapter 1, he says, the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our, uh, Jesus our Lord, the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And um, so let's just start reading here in verse um, 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, as we look at these few verses, Peter tells us that we are saved through the righteousness of God. And we understand that. The righteousness which we have, the only way you and I can be brought up to God's standard is by God giving us His righteousness. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us. That's why Jesus did what only God could do in saving us. But it says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our, and of Jesus our Lord. Now, grace, we could always use more grace. How many could use a little more peace? Uh, in their lives. Uh, everybody can. Uh, these two things come to us. The source of grace and peace is the knowledge of God uh, and the knowledge of Jesus our Lord. And as we think about this, uh, I was really brought home. In fact, it made it rather difficult to study for tonight because of the 
message that was preached at the GIBF last night, the first point being, uh, do we disrespect the Lord? And his first point was, sometimes we do through our familiarity with the Lord or getting used to all of the things that God has done. Um, And I'll tell you, we know a lot about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been a member of this church for any period of time at all, uh, we spend a lot of time in the Bible, and you learn these things. Uh, Many of our members have been to Bible college and studied uh, all four years, some of them six years, and... uh, and it, it, the fact is not that we don't have information. The fact is we're used to it. We're so used to it that we're not using it the way we should. If we were using that great that knowledge uh, that we have, it says here, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Now, the word multiplied, uh, I like the word multiplied. It is, uh, uh, it is a lot better than addition. Now, how many of you like column addition? Remember that from grade school where they would give you four or five numbers in a row and you had to add them all up and then you got a little older and it was ten numbers in a row. And you were supposed to do all of these things in uh, in your head or make little notes there. And the uh, point is, when you multiply something, you don't have to have as many line entries. Amen? God wants us to have enough grace and enough peace to make life enjoyable. On the way home, I got a phone call from a pastor in another state, and he was saying, I'm just trying to get a church started here. I want to talk to you about a few things. And and uh, I, I just uh, found myself quoting Brother Clayton. I said, you know, you can just get so uptight that, that you lose your joy. You can try so hard, especially with missions and missionaries, I said, how many missionaries are you supporting right now? Uh, three. I, I said, well, let's, let's not worry about all of these things. Let's just take what God's given you and, and, and use it. And, and uh, I love the way Brother Clayton put it. He said, I believe what they believe. He said, I'm just not mad about it. And that's one of the things I love about the Global Independent Baptist Fellowship is we have preachers from all over the country and I'll tell you, being in Georgia for three days was a, uh, a quite uh, quite a reminder. I haven't uh, been in that part of the country for any extended period of time in many, many years. In fact, the last time I spent any real time in the Atlanta area is when I was repowering uh, Brother Clayton's truck, and that was the winter before... I uh, flew to California to get engaged uh, to my wife. So that was, that was a long time ago. And uh, 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 it was uh, uh, just a reminder that things can be very different. And yet when you get right down to it, they're all the same because it's the same Lord Jesus Christ. 
Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How do we get this? Through the knowledge of God. It's not just knowing about God. It is knowing God. It is knowing who He is. It is knowing how He thinks and what is important to Him. And so we come to verse 3, and it says, His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, how do we get this divine power? How do we access all things that pertain unto life and godliness? Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So, grace and peace come through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Uh, If you want grace and peace, the, the conduit is the knowledge of God. If you want to plug in, we might say, or tap into uh, that divine power, that power that God has, I mean, people talk about it all the time. And um, if we're going to uh, make that connection of that into that divine power, we're going to have to have this knowledge of Jesus Christ, and this knowledge is uh, telling us that God has called us to glory and virtue. Uh, one of the other pastors was commenting on that. Uh, he said, I used to think it'd really be great to live in the Bible times. And then I got thinking, do I really want God recording everything I did and writing it in the Bible so everybody else can examine it? He said, you got to be crazy. And he's right, but how many of you remember Ephesians chapter 2? That in the ages to come, he might show God is doing that with each one of us. That's what eternity is going to be about. Now, if that's not a terrifying thought, uh, I'm going to be careful. I'm going to re-preach every sermon I heard at the GIVF meeting. I don't want to... uh, uh, attempt to do that tonight, but do you want to have God's power? Do you want to have the things that pertain unto life and to godliness? If if you're going to have those things, it's not just knowing about God. Having the knowledge of God. I mean, we could look at that phrase... In, in several different ways. Um, oftentimes, uh, Andrew's looking at something in the building over there. In fact, uh, somebody's getting ready to get baptized, and so he crawled down under and took all kinds of pictures uh, of, of the floorboards and said, Dad, do you think this is going to hold up the baptistry, or is it going to break when I fill it full of water? Uh, and... Uh, you know, really, I mean, not trying to make this too melodramatic here, but what Andrew needed was the knowledge of his father uh, so that he would be confident that the baptistry wasn't going to fall through the floor into the basement with somebody in it. I mean, that's a, uh, uh, that's a good thing to possess. You see, when we talk about the knowledge of God, What we're talking about is having confidence to live life according to what God knows is best. 
Wouldn't that be wonderful? If, if we had God's mind on any given subject, don't you think we would uh, do well to use that knowledge? And, and that's what this is talking about here. If I am attacking life, if I am facing life with the knowledge of Jesus Christ in me, guess what? I'm going to have grace and peace now, aren't I? Uh, I'm going to have everything I need to live and to have godliness. And so, uh, we look here in verse 4 and it says, whereby. Now, what is whereby? Well, the whereby is the exceeding, I mean, sorry, uh, the whereby is all things that pertain unto life and godliness, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Whereby, now what is whereby again? It is, all things that pertain unto life and godliness, how do we get those? By tapping into His divine power. How, what is the conduit? What connects us to the power of God? The knowledge of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And it says that we are given great and exceeding, exceeding great and precious promises. And it said that According to these promises, we can be partakers of the divine nature. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's just go back here. If I have God's thought, if I have the knowledge of Jesus Christ and how to deal with a certain circumstance or things that pertain unto life and godliness... Guess who I'm going to be acting like? Uh, Do you think that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to do in my life what He wants to do if I were acting in and under the direction of the knowledge that God possesses? Yeah, it, it just, it would work out that way now, wouldn't it? And these exceeding great and precious promises are going to cause me to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, we live in a wicked world, do we not? I mean, uh, when I was a kid, it was limited to Sears' Christmas wish book. Uh, now you can go on to Amazon and it is 4,000 times the uh, Sears wish book and it is available 24-7 uh, and you can't ever get away with it, get away from it uh, because uh, no matter what you need, Amazon sells it. Now, don't they? Uh, and whatever you don't need, they still sell it. I mean, it is everywhere you go. And you can get an app on your phone and you can just do a little click and 
the one that just drives me crazy is I'm sitting there reviewing or trying to find something that I ordered and it says, buy it again. And I don't want to buy it again. I could hardly afford it the first time. Um, and here it tells us that we're going to escape. I, we hardly go to a fellowship meeting or attend there and we're not faced with the fact that some pastor that once fellowshiped with us is no longer fellowshipping with us. Because they got corrupted. Several of the sermons. And it doesn't have to be moral failure. I mean, there are pastors that have changed their theology so they could get more people to come through the doors. Uh, That's simply wanting something that you don't have and manipulating things so you can try to get it. That's the definition of lust. So, as we look at this passage, we find that everything that we need, everything that is good in our relationship with God, comes through the knowledge of God. And part of that knowledge is being able to understand what God thinks and what God wants and to have the wisdom that God possesses inside of us and be operating under that. Another part of it is knowing who God is and having a relationship with Him. And so now we get down to verse 5 and it says, besides this, uh uh-oh, Now, we're going to have to get out our notebooks here, uh, but I want us to just skip ahead to verse 8. And I want us to look here. It says, For if these things that we're going to study here in just a minute, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you just have your Strong's Concordance there and you look up the word barren, it'll say unfruitful. And you look up the word unfruitful and it says barren. Uh, Two different words here. And uh, you say, well, what is the difference here in the meaning? Well, the word barren simply means incapable of Producing. Um, uh, you remember the story there where uh, they had the uh, polluted spring in, in the book of Kings and Elisha came along and it says the ground is barren uh, because of the chemicals that had seeped out of the soil into this little spring there. The surrounding soil had been polluted and nothing would grow. And uh, just... Just a little rule here. If you're ever out in the desert and you see a little pool of water and there's not green things growing all around it, don't touch the water. Even sticking your hand in it could allow some of the wonderful chemicals like uh, cyanide and arsenic and other things that seep in from the ground 
uh, that sometimes they call them alkali pools because the uh, pH in there is much more like acid than it is like water. And, and uh, you could get yourself in a whole lot of trouble. When a tree is barren, it means the tree is incapable of producing fruit. Uh, I've often talked about the peach trees in our yard and how with three peach trees we used to get somewhere around 100 quarts of peaches every year out of those, plus all we could eat and uh, fresh and everything. It, It was a wonderful thing, but my dad had an apple tree too. And uh, he planted that apple tree, and boy, he worked on that apple tree and did everything. And the best apples it produced were about that big around, and they were all wrinkled up, and, and they were just rotten. They just would, it would not produce a good apple. And uh, so what he did was he went up to uh, my uh, mother's, uh, place and talked to my grandfather and got a couple of branches of a good apple tree and actually grafted them in, and they produced rotten apples too. Uh, I mean, this tree just would not do what it was supposed to do. It was barren. Okay? We've, not going to name names, not going to go through problems here, but We've we've met some people barren in the knowledge of God. We've had them come through our church. And no matter how long they listened and how long we talked and how much we discussed, it would not take root. It just wasn't going to happen. Well, the Bible said, if you don't want to be in that group, you need to get these things. Because you're not going to be barren. You're going to be capable of of producing fruit. God wants to do things. He is able to modify our uh, DNA, we might say, our spiritual DNA. He changes us. That's why it's called being born again. It's a brand new life. And He wants us to be capable. I mean, read John chapter 15, and uh, we'll probably get there sometime this year as we're dealing with this uh, subject of... He wants us to bring forth fruit. He wants our fruit to abide. And and so it says here, Peter is, I am sure, with uh, John 15 in his mind, it says that ye shall neither be barren. That means you're going to be capable of producing what God wants in your life. And then the word unfruitful. How many of you have ever tried something? That was supposed to, I don't know, make a profit or make you lose weight or uh, make you whatever. And and it didn't work out very well. Uh, I mean, you tried, you did everything they said, and it just didn't work. Uh, That's what unfruitful is. It doesn't turn a profit. It doesn't do you any good. I've met some people who are, quote unquote, very busy in the work of the Lord. And they're doing this and they're doing that. And they've got this going and that going. But it didn't do them any good. It didn't work out for them. They were helping everybody else. 
But their life was a mess. And you know, there's an awful lot of that going on in our world today. Is there not? And so it says here, if we'll get these things in our life and abound, not only are we going to be capable of producing... If you'll remember our study on grace, we spent some time on grace for grace. The fact that if you'll take uh, uh, convicting grace, uh, understanding that you're a sinner, believing grace, God will give you saving grace. You take saving grace, He'll give you serving grace. He'll give you great grace to serve Him. Well, He wants to do the same thing with knowledge. The knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the blessings of being married for so many years is that I don't have to sit down and figure out what would make my wife happy. I already know. And that means if I'm not making her happy, I'm not doing what I should know I'm doing, right? And it's the same with the Lord Jesus Christ, shouldn't it be? And when we operate under the knowledge of Jesus Christ, when we partake in that divine nature, when we escape the corruption, the entrapments that are of the devil in this world, when we have grace and peace multiplied in our lives, when we have everything we need for uh, life and godliness... Who benefits the most? We do. Fruitful. It actually works. And one of the things that was actually spoken about at the meeting was one of the reasons so many preachers are are leaving independent Baptist circles and reaching out there is because they want something that works. Well, I'll tell you what, this works. But you've got to stay with it. You can't do it halfway. And if we look at this list, and we're going to try to get through this list, I'm not, you could spend a whole sermon on each, and I have in the past, and that's not the intent tonight. But in verse 5, let's get this list. It says, and beside this, giving all diligence. Now, that just means everything you are. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now, virtue is just simply purity. Purity has a power. When the unclean, Jesus touched the unclean, it had to become clean. That's why as the widow And Nain was bringing her only son to the funeral. Jesus touched the buyer. The buyer was unclean. Why? Because it had a dead body in it. You're unclean for seven days. You had to be sprinkled with the water of separation on the third and the seventh day. You had to take a bath on the seventh day and, and wash all your clothes and everything in order to be clean after having touched a dead body. But when Jesus touched the buyer... The buyer became clean because the dead body was alive. 
You see, that's virtue. My favorite illustration is the woman with the issue of blood, unclean. He said, I perceive virtue has gone out of me. And the disciples saying, listen, everybody's touching you. And yet Jesus took time to put the spotlight on this one woman because he wants us to understand what virtue is. One of the things that is the, uh, one, the most powerful thing about Christianity is the fact that we do not do things the way the world does things. I think about raising money for this building. Boy, I'll tell you what I heard from every... Uh, trying to be gracious here, nut and kook in the world. If you want to, I had one person, if you want to raise money for that building, said, you need to put on church dinners and I'll put on the dinners for you. And I'm like, you know, uh, we, we do a pretty good job when we put on church dinner, but we don't raise any money doing it. And, oh, you're just not doing it right. And I said, you know, how, how much do you, th- oh, listen, if, if you had a dinner and you put it on right, said you, you might could raise uh, six or eight hundred dollars, maybe even a thousand dollars. And I'm going, uh, what I wanted to do is say, I walked into a preacher's meeting in Ohio. And because my pastor was Roy Thompson and one of the men that introduced me in the meeting was Larry Clayton's friend, we raised $24,000 in 10 minutes. Now, that's kind of multiplied, isn't it? Uh, when we were at the uh, meeting with, uh, at uh, Southwest Baptist Church, 1997, my wife will remember that, Stephen was the baby. Uh, I won't give you all the details. $44,000 in about 20 minutes, was raised to help us buy this building. I'll tell you what. When you do things God's way, that's what unlocks power that God has. Virtue is keeping it pure. Keeping it Bible. It says knowledge. Uh, and, And we've talked about knowledge, the whole thing. How do I add knowledge to uh, 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 my virtue is when I finally get all of these other influences of this world out of my mind and out of my heart, I can actually understand what the Bible's talking about. But see, knowledge all by itself, what does it do? First Corinthians chapter 13, it puffs up, doesn't it? So, I don't stop with knowledge. I have to add temperance. What's temperance? Uh, The answer to being puffed up. Self-control. And then the next word is patience. Now, wait a minute. Isn't temperance and patience the same thing? No. There's some nuance here. They can be used interchangeably, but they're not being used interchangeably here. Patience, temperance, is the idea of self-control, of being properly put together. And patience 
is knowing what to do with it. That's probably why I'll never get a deer. You're supposed to be super still and you can't move. Well, my joints just weren't born that way. So that's why I like to be way up in the tree where the deers can't see me and all of those things. So it can move around a little bit. Otherwise, I'd come home in traction, I think. Uh, but my brother, boy, he can stand there and just not move for hours. And he gets two or three every year. Uh, but when it comes to God, listen, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience. You know what patience brings? Godliness. Now, what's godliness? Well, being like God. How about holiness? Isn't that being like God? The one defining attribute of God that separates him from everything else is the fact that he is holy. And you know what is missing from Christianity today? It's godliness. Worldliness. Oh, we got more of that and we know what to do with. In fact, you can get books on how to be worldly in your church and invite worldly people into the church and make the service compatible and and, and nice for worldly people. The only problem is we got people that are so wrapped up in holiness that they they can't reach anybody. Well, I think if we get a proper foundation for that godliness in virtue, knowledge, temperance, and patience, now that godliness will do some good. Because the next one is something we think is really simple. But it's not. Brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. You know, there's, there's a, a, a bond that is supposed to be with brothers. And even though you, you don't agree, you still agree about one thing. Nobody's messing with my brother. And you know something with the Lord, that's the way he is with us, is it not? We don't do everything perfect, but he still cares what, cares about us. He protects us. If we'll find ourselves behind the Lord Jesus, if we'll just have that natural affection. Have you ever been some, around somebody without natural affection? Oh, I just love you. You're just so sweet. I mean, that's... Uh, they call that southern hospitality. I, I, I call that southern fried baloney because it, it's just not true most of the time. But I'll, I'll tell you what we had visiting this church down there is we had a lot of people that just genuinely cared. They, their pastor had prepared. They were excited about these preachers coming in and visiting and I'll tell you what, they just took care, it rained the whole time. And uh, and uh, they kept saying, oh, we're sorry. I said, you can't change the rain. 
uh, my favorite saying is better wet than white. And, and, uh, and they're going, well, yeah, it's not snowing. I said, yeah, we're not getting any snow. And so uh, I, I enjoy myself. They're running around umbrellas and, and I'm just going, I, I, I don't mind getting wet. It's, it's when you freeze and uh, become an ice statue. That's, that's the part I don't like. Uh, but brotherly kindness, just real affection, real care, real concern. You know, we live in a world where people are concerned only about what they can get from you. Brotherly kindness, the last one's charity. And of course, our working definition for charity is love in action. And the problem with love is that we have a deceitful, above all things, heart, a desperately wicked heart. And when we love, if we're not careful, our hearts will manipulate other people to get what we want. Do you think virtue is an answer for that problem? I'll tell you it is. Knowledge is an answer for that problem. The, the patience and, and temperance will solve that problem. We've got to have that foundation. You see, if these things are in your life, if you want the knowledge of God, if you want to understand what God understands, you've got to get busy doing these things. You just Every once in a while, I like to bring this passage to our church just as a checklist and say, how are you doing on virtue? Is there enough simple purity in your life to hold up your knowledge? I mean, we have people out there, they can answer everybody's question about everything. In fact, they used to have a guy on the radio here in New York City. He was called the Bible Answer Man. Do you know the Bible Answer Man no longer believes the Bible has turned his back on God and everything You know why? Because he didn't have that virtue. He started out without the simple purity of the King James Bible in the English language. That's virtue. When you reject the simple truths of God, guess what? Your knowledge is going to go awry. And your patience and your temperance are, are going to be flawed. And so once you get into the test of really trying to care for another human being, guess what? Things are going to break. Uh, oftentimes in a vehicle you'll have certain, uh, it, much less today than it was years ago, uh, years ago, they would uh, uh, make like drive shafts and different things, and they would form those. And, and uh, I remember uh, one time driving one of Brother Clayton's trucks, and I uh, stepped on the gas pedal to come up the entrance ramp onto the highway, and the whole truck started going, and uh, then it smoothed out, so I thought I was okay. Well, I climbed down under there and looked. 
and there's a little, it was called a universal joint. It was one of the things that connect the sections of the drive shaft together. So they would turn the rear wheels. And without the rear wheels turning, you didn't go forward. And uh, it had failed. And it was just laying in there. In fact, when I got to the church and parked, I crawled under there to take a look. And when I saw what it was, I just reached up and the drive shaft fell out on the ground, the one end. Now, if that had happened while I was driving, I I don't know if I'd be here. But you see, the Lord takes care of us. But if we're not careful, we need to keep a simple purity. We need to have a knowledge that is based on the character and the goodness of God. We, we need to add temperance and, and patience, the ability to sit still and wait on God. Oh, that is so hard. Godliness. Then, then we can start talking about brotherly kindness and charity. You see, we want to start with brotherly kindness and charity, and we don't have the foundation, and that's why it doesn't work. It says, For if these things be in you abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren. You're going to produce the knowledge of God in your life, it's going to grow. And that knowledge is not going to be worthless. That knowledge is going to be beneficial. It is going to provide a profit in your life, a good thing. And if you read on, and we're not going to take time to do that, it says that you'll have an entrance ministered unto you abundantly into the kingdom of God. Well, that seems to intimate that there's going to be some people that aren't going to have an unabundant entrance into the kingdom of God. The gates are not going to be swung open wide and the trumpet sounded. It's going to be, hey, you know, we got a little side port over here. Would you mind just sneaking in while nobody's paying attention? I don't know if it's going to be that bad or not, but I, I will tell you this. It's not something any one of us here want in our own lives. If we're going to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Him, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we're going to have to get busy working on this list of things. Everything in our life is connected to the knowledge of God. In fact, the greatest thing that could happen is when we operate under the knowledge of God. In fact, I was talking to a preacher to me. We were just fellowshipping and talking. He said, he said, you know something? He said, about your pastor, Roy Thompson, he said he was just right. And that, that was something about Brother Thompson. I mean, when, when he stood up, in fact, it was Brother Dick Webster. And I asked him, I said, were you in that fellowship meeting? Brother Thompson spit in the book and threw it off the platform. He said, yes, I was. He said, you know your pastor's problem? He says he was 10 years ahead of the rest of us. He said, we were all just too dumb to know that what he was saying was 100% right. He was talking about a man who was heretical in his beliefs that many pastors were having into their churches. 
You see, you got to keep that simple purity of truth. And that keeps your knowledge in line. And that gives you, allows you to work through this list of things. And when we finally get to brotherly kindness and we get to charity, it's real. And you know, that's what being godly is all about, isn't it? God is love. God's love had a lot of action to it. And all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray as a church that you would help us to pay attention to this passage, the truths that are in it. Lord, it is so easy to make an exception for ourselves. It's so easy to lose that simple purity of virtue that the Bible speaks of. Lord, we're bombarded every day in just about every way to just just give in a little bit. Lord, we pray that you would keep us simple and pure. That you would help that these things would be in our lives and in our church and abound. So that we would be capable of producing fruit. And Lord, that fruit that is produced would be to our benefit so that we could bring true honor and glory and praise to Jesus Christ and to God the Father in the name and under the direction and power of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Before we say amen.